everyone and welcome back to another episode of Chicks into the Pits. As promised, we're getting back to English for our second installment of 2021, hosting yet another special guest. As we steadily approach another racing season, most championships are facing both regulation changes and new ways to deal with the ongoing pandemic. Yeah, guys, so today we'll basically discuss what to expect from the current year with Mattia Drudy. Oh, I don't know why I said it like English, <laughs> anyways, the factory driver um, competing in the GT World Challenge and every other major World Class G series, basically. So hi, Mattia. Hi, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming, Mattia. Actually, now that you're making me think about it, Marti, you know, I've never noticed if, if like people speaking English say like Audi or Audi, like yeah. we usually say Audi, but I've never even noticed that. Yeah, yeah, good to know. Mattia, you will tell us later if it's actually Audi or Audi or whatever. It's German people anyway. <laughs> yeah, they always say differently language to language. So it's not easy, honestly, saying yeah, okay. in the right way. Yeah, okay, we'll just wing it as usual. I mean, it's not yeah. <laughs> very different from anything else anyway. Audi, it's okay. It's okay. I think um, it's okay. Italian way. <laughs> the Italian way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Mattia, of course, uh, last season was a pretty intense one for you already. I mean, uh, you've competed in the GT World Challenge full time and you also had like different outings, like, for example, the 12 Hours of Bathurst and uh, many other pretty important races. Uh, but as we saw, apart from like the first two months of 2020, like the actual racing season started well into July, basically. Uh, so um, how was it for you, like switching to this very different and actually like very crowded calendar? It was busy, I would say. I mean, uh, normally also in 2019, so my first year as factory driver, I've been already quite used to a pretty busy season, but for sure it wasn't like uh, what we had last year. I mean, we had uh, almost, I would say, three, four months doing completely nothing at all. So just doing sim racing and keep training just to stay fit and waiting for the season to restart. And then, uh, as you said, yeah, we started again on July and uh, racing every weekend because if I'm correct, I think we also had uh, 13 on or 14 weekends in a row with the different championships. So, you know, for sure it was really good to be back racing and uh, after the lockdown and all this stuff, but it was demanding as well. I mean, at the end of the year, uh, we were all, uh, all a bit tired, so it was good to have uh, one or two months to recharge a bit the battery and yeah, uh, now it's almost time to restart again for sure. will not be like last year, but Anyway, we have a lot of championship and races to do, so it's going to be, a, again, easy. Yeah, I mean, like 2021 is setting out to be pretty intense as well. Like, I, I didn't have enough information on, like, the protocols, the, the health and safety protocols going into the year, but it's supposedly be, like, very similar to, to what we had in 2020 anyway, so... 
yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be challenging. But you were mentioning actually sim racing before, and I know that you did a lot of sim racing during um, yeah, I, lockdown. I was trying at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it was interesting to watch, especially like on Twitch. I've actually followed you guys a couple of times, like on on Twitch. You had a stream. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen like sim racing actually gaining a lot of momentum into, into, you know, actual real world racing drivers as well. Uh, and we've seen that recently the GT World Challenge, which I guess you will be competing in again, uh, this year has decided to like implement this sort of like sim racing, uh, you know, trickling down into real world racing by assigning, you know, championship points to, to sim racing events. What do you think about that? Yeah, regarding last year, for sure. I mean, uh, sim racing was at least the closest thing we had to real race to do during the lockdown. So it was cool to race against uh, real other drivers, also some other drivers competing in other series that we wouldn't race against in the real races. So it was really good to mix a bit the, the drivers as well and the categories. And uh, regarding the, the new GT World Challenge rule, it's, it's not easy to say. I mean, for sure is is a step uh, toward the future, but it's anyway, we are racing on the, on the real car, real, real stuff. And uh, it's cool. I think to, to have also a sim event on the, on the, on the race weekend against the other real driver. I think it's also good for the people on the, in the paddock, if it's allowed, I still don't know the, the rules. So I hope, it's going to be again allowed to have people around the paddock that it's one of the most uh, cool thing uh, in our sport i would say so yeah it's good to have these uh, events uh, but for me from my personal point of view it's still a bit early to to mix it um, as well on the real races so on the real championship it would be better i think uh, if uh, to create a parallel championship on the with the sims with the simulators so as well on the on the real racing weekends with the real drivers uh, so that i would have agreed 100% that would have been cool but uh, to you know to mix again even more the, the real championship is is not easy because sim racing is actually it's not really easy i mean it can seems easy but I say it's, I can say it's not really easy. I mean, there are really fast drivers, sim drivers uh, that cannot be the same on the real cars. So you need a lot of training and every also platform game is different. So we will use, I think, Seto uh, Corsa Competizione that it's quite different from uh, iRacing, that that's the most uh, common game i would say that we use during the lockdown so we will need uh, again a lot of training even more before the race weekend on the sim as well and uh, there will be only one driver i think competing on uh, per car competing in these sim uh, races so it will be also important to have a strategy to choose the, the right driver and and we'll see i mean for sure is a, a try uh, to this format 
Um, I know that uh, SRO is always looking to the future to, to do something new, and this is great for sure. And uh, we will see how everyone will react during the season. <laughs> Marty, yeah. what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first time I, I read the news about um, sim racing kind of affecting the classification, I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I can understand why they decided to, to go towards that direction. But at the same time, it kind of feels, I don't know, maybe a bit early to, to do something like this. Maybe, you know, just trying to implement sim racing in order to make sure that it's actually suitable for doing this kind of thing to classifications might have been a better idea. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's what's going on in the minds of those organized things. <laughs> so I, I really can talk for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Maybe maybe it turns out to be a good thing, you know. Yeah, no, but I'm actually like imagining the scenes inside the paddock. Like they're saying that they're going to have like standard sim rigs and stuff like that. But you know, one thing I think we all learned during uh, during quarantine, especially with drivers actually streaming on Twitch and stuff like that, is that especially like in GT racing, um, we don't get like team radios and stuff like that. So we don't really hear the drivers talking. Well, maybe during it's the better. Race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was just thinking like these people, like we've heard some of them during Twitch streams. And I was like, damn, I don't think you're allowed to say that. Like you shouldn't be allowed to say that. So I can imagine like these people, I don't know, getting super frustrated or super competitive during these sim racing events. And supposedly since they will be held in the paddock, like everybody else will be able to hear, like the drama that will ensue. It will be pretty entertaining in my opinion. But actually, no, I was also considering like um, a different perspective on it um, based on the fact that now you need to also consider inside, inside your crew uh, the possibility of having someone or of choosing someone specifically well not specifically but it will be like an, an advantage an asset if they're good at sim racing and the problem is like customer racing which is basically what the gt war challenge relies upon is really dependent on you know paid drivers and stuff like that but finding the right balance now between paid drivers and professional drivers and professional drivers who can also be like good sim racers is not that easy because not many prof I mean some professional drivers picked up sim racing during like quarantine and whatever but I honestly can't expect any everyone to to pick it up so it's it's gonna it's be gonna, gonna be, be crazy I think it's gonna be quite crazy also to see these races I didn't. I don't know yet if they are streamed these races. Honestly, I didn't read anything about that, but I think they will do it, one hundred percent. And uh, yeah, <laughs> let's see how it works. Maybe it works really good, and uh, it's gonna be a normal thing in the future. But we will see. I mean, it's would you actually like to be the driver during the sim races for your no. crew? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's, uh, it's at the end you have quite a lot of pressure as well because you are fighting for the real championship as well so it's a proper race i mean during the the lockdown we did this kind of fun races that yeah was cool you want to be on in the front but at the end it's a it's a virtual race so 
you win just trying to have fun and nothing more for me from my point of view there uh, it's a sim race that affects the 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 real world so it's gonna be even more important you'll be you have to be really focused on that and uh, and it's it's not easy because even on the on the sim racing on the sim races even some uh, small contacts for example that in the real world doesn't don't change anything on the car maybe you can uh, you can spin or have some other problems that so i'm just imagining someone losing the the championship because of a sim race it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it's honestly insane like if i have to be 100 frank i don't think this is a good idea like at all especially right now i mean i can be frank because it's not like I'm contractually obligated to, to yeah, say for, anything. For sure, for sure, it's something new. So they had this idea. I think they were already talking about that uh, last year. I heard something about that. So they they did it and uh, it's something new. So we will see. Maybe it's, it's going to work pretty well and it's going to be the, the normality. But we will see. I mean, there are still two months to wait and then we will see how, how it goes. <laughs> Will you guys actually have like sim rigs in uh, in preseason testing at Port Ricard as well? That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, we can try. I mean, we can always uh, uh, drive there. Uh, there are three, minimum two drivers per car driving on the same car. So when you are not driving, you can stay on the on the sim rig and, <laughs> and waste waste the time. I mean, just to wait. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. And you know what? I was also thinking that maybe the thing you know the thing i can understand about why they try to put sim racing into real races is the popularity it has gained like over the past year because obviously with lockdown and everything people in quarantine literally didn't know what to do to distract themselves uh, from what was going on outside so it, it kind of provided a lot of escapism we, we already talked about that too in, mm -hmm. in a previous episode of the yeah. podcast but yeah, I think like this can be the reason it gained popularity. So, you know, there may be more people who are actually interested in sim racing right now than there were before. But yeah, you know, ultimately, I think I kind of agree with Aurora. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's such a good idea right now, but, you know, it's it, it can be fun, maybe. I don't know if they do it right. It can be good. Yeah, I mean, I was just considering, Marty, uh, if we're actually allowed to, to get into the paddock again as media, do you think we actually have to report on the sim races as well? Like, I was generally thinking about this. Like, we usually do, do, do different stuff in the, in the media center and in the paddock. Do we actually have to, to get, like, in the paddock and, I don't know, take notes and write race reports on the sim races? I so hope not. <laughs> Please no. I wouldn't uh, know how to do it basically. So no, I think actually it's more I... difficult than the real races. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there are like, I don't know, it's I mean, it shouldn't be as difficult because the number of cars should be the same as in the grid, right? So at least we don't have like yeah. a sixty car lobby or stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, like okay. the problem is you don't actually have like a director's view. So where do you watch? Like I can't move from one thing to another, one sim rig to another. Yeah, yeah, to run between uh, twenty true. screens. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. 
No, I actually report the only race uh, I reported on, uh, virtual race I reported on, was the virtual 24 hours of Le Mans, like in May last year. Y yeah, that was that was not a fun experience. Like from my they side, they had some problems as well, no? Uh, yeah, yeah, like they they had lo lots of lagging and stuff like that, and <laughs> the race was actually like suspended a couple of times, which was still like an impressive impressive result. Because there were, I don't know, 200 cars, like it, it was gigantic, but it, yeah, nah, it was, it was not nice. It was not nice. The real one would have been better, I would say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but I actually, think... like thinking about sim, but in, in, in the bigger sense, in the actual sense of, a, of the word, Mattia, you're also like a development driver for Audi in Formula E. So you've had a, a fair share of actual sim work uh, to do uh, so what do you think about Audi's latest move to leave Formula E and focus on other projects oh, for sure is a strategical move they they've been into Formula E uh, since uh, day one and they did uh, as well quite a lot of uh, uh, good things uh, now they are looking for uh, something new uh, and they as they said as well, they are really interested into these uh, LMDH rules that from my point of view, it's a really interesting and intelligent uh, kind of uh, regulations because you can race with the same car in a lot of races that now you cannot really do like uh, it was in the past. Um, yeah, uh, now we have the, the last season in the Formula E and uh, we are really committed into finishing uh, in a proper way, in a, in a high. And uh, we are working really hard. They, it's the first season that uh, we have uh, our own uh, powertrain uh, built uh, in uh, Audi directly. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting also for that. And uh, yeah, we feel quite competitive at the moment. We have the first race uh, in, uh, in two weeks. There is still... Uh, a lot of work going on uh, behind the, the scenes and uh, yeah the sim work there it's uh, it's really important for sure it's not changing the the real championship uh, classification <laughs> but but anyway we during the race weekend we are there uh, normally i'm there to support the the real team driving day and night because when the, the race is uh, for example in china or mexico or these kind of places you have to drive with the with the same uh, time of the of the race so if they drive in the day during the day in china here it's uh, it's night early morning so i remember some races starting driving like at uh, four or three in the morning or for example, when uh, they were racing in Mexico, we were driving until uh, three, three in the night. So it's uh, still a busy work, even if you're not in the in the real car. You can try a lot of stuff, and uh, for for them, for the real team, I mean, for the for the real race, it's it's important to have a sim support, and it can also change a bit uh, the. The speed of the car because if you can if you work properly you can uh, give some uh, tools to the real team to work on so 
there it's uh, it's it's really cool for sure it's another kind of simulator as well because it's uh, it's really a, a, a CU simulator and uh, you have uh, five six engineers working uh, with you for the race support so it's really interesting to be there for sure it's cool to be on the on the track with the with the team but also working again working working there and helping the team from uh, Neuburg, it's uh, it's really cool as well. Yeah, but you actually been on track, right? You did uh, you did the Marrakesh rookie test last year with Audi. So yeah. yeah, that was that was I guess a cool experience going from the simulator to the real thing. Yeah, because I did before Marrakesh, I did uh, I think three uh, races on the sim. I, I think two or three anyway. And then I I went there to Marrakesh so I could see how the team was working uh, uh, on a race weekend because I did uh, some tests with them, but for sure the, the test is it's no like a, it's not like a race. So everyone works a bit different. Everyone is uh, even more focused. And uh, yeah, as you said, it was cool to correlate the, the, what I was doing at the scene and what they were doing on the track. So uh, I think was was a really good experience also to drive the car the day after the race and to compare our data and so on with uh, Lucas and Daniel at the time. So, so it was a really cool experience to be, to be on track. And, you know, traveling is always uh, a cool part of our job, I would say, even if it's not... Uh, <laughs> I, can, I cannot call it like a proper proper demanding job it's it's always really nice we are doing what we love so it's it's nice to travel to work with other people and uh, see how it works everything and formula e i honestly i i feel like it's the level it's really really high about the drivers and also engineers and all the technology you have behind because from from outside, it's really difficult. I didn't understand it too uh, before going into Formula E what, what is for real Formula E. Because when you're inside, it's completely another world and it's, it's really, really cool. I actually, our listeners probably already know because <laughs> yeah. we've talked a lot about this in our previous episodes, but uh, Formula E is actually the only category I do not follow. Um, and, and I kind of feel bad about it because it's like <laughs> such a cool category. But yeah, I I still I still have to to put my my work in there and, and try to to properly follow a season because I've been unable to do so. Basically, Marty, I think you're more like uh, informed on the drama based on the gossip I tell you than anything else in Formula E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I sure oh my know god, did lot. you see this? Yeah, I sure know a lot about the drama surrounding Formula E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could write a gossip magazine or something with that. Yeah. No, yeah, but I, if you I follow mean... just, just the race, is one thing. If you follow everything, it's completely another thing. So I think it's one of the best category there is out there now. So also, if you look at the, the level of the drivers, it's, it's crazy yeah? because they're all uh, really fast, fast drivers, young drivers, experienced drivers. So now you have a bit of everything. So it's really cool. You know, it's actually like super interesting. And the one thing I really liked about Formula E, unfortunately, starting this year, I will not f cover Formula E anymore, which 
kind of breaks my heart a bit. Uh, but yeah, no, the thing is like the the environment in general, like it's, it's super competitive, but it's also like a very chill place. Like it's generally one of the favorite, my favorite paddocks I've ever been in because yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all certainly high level, but you know, the, the people are pretty cool, pretty chill. It's, a, it's, a, it's like, it's like a big family, I would say, but I had yeah. this, uh, this feeling as well when I've been in, in Marrakesh. I mean, it's, it's different from the other races I've been to. So that was really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Also, like I was considering that something like what um, SRO did with the GT War Challenge, like this integration with sim racing or whatever, I would have expected it more coming from Formula E, like thinking about it, 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 it would have made a bit more sense because they, they've already had like the, the virtual racing challenge and basically all the drivers were, you know, contractually compelled to, to compete. Uh, so they, they still have like a, a bit of experience. And they've always had sim rigs in the paddock. Like as as far as I remember, they've always had like sim rigs in the fan zone. And actually, they've had drivers coming over during like the the breaks from from actual sessions to race with the fans. Because yeah, again, it's like a it's a very fun environment to be in. So I don't know. I figure like it would have had a, a bit more sense. It would have made a bit more sense, but. I think that the platform also played a part because as far as I know, they actually race on R-Factor 2, um, which is a yeah, cool yeah. game, but the physics are like all over the place uh, if compared to, I don't know, Assetto Corsa or, or iRacing. So I don't know, maybe that played a part. Yeah, I think they use R-Factor 2 and you can see that the graphics are not like the, the other games uh, that we are using. But yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Astro, as I said before, is always looking to the future. So they decided to do this move, even if maybe it's too early. I think also to be the first one. And uh, yeah, I mean, they are doing some interesting moves, and uh, we will see. Formula E for sure is a really, really tough championship, and. Uh, as well, uh, you work uh, you work with uh, constructors, so I think that's also why they didn't do this kind of move from a personal point of view, because I mean there you're fighting for a FIA World Championship, so I don't think uh, it can uh, it can be a thing that you fight for the World Championship with a Seam races integrated in the championship for yeah, sure doing a sense. yeah doing the the virtual races uh on the race weekend and maybe create a championship there would have make sense also for Formula E but for the real one I think uh from FIA and all this kind of championship is for sure too early I mean it's from my point of view maybe I'm wrong or I don't know but no, I mean, it, it does make sense. It's a world championship anyway. Actually, they will be getting the actual world championship status this year. So that's going to be interesting as well, because I mean, Formula E has always felt like world championship, like especially in the past, I don't know, three years, four years, mm. but they didn't have the official status until 
yeah, this season that is about to start. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I'm also curious to see if this will, you know, trickle a change in mentality from the drivers because I mean they were still competing for one of the best known international series but maybe being like an FIA world champion champion is a different different thing I honestly have no idea what goes what goes on in their minds but yeah maybe it plays a part yeah I think it can play a part I mean uh, for sure when you're a driver it doesn't depend depends from the championship uh, in, uh, in that you're competing for. Uh, you're always doing your uh, your best, the best you can do. But then now that it's a world championship, an FAA world championship, it's even more important, uh, more than uh, was before. So, yeah, you want to do even more. And uh, I think it's going to play a bit a role in the the driver minds, I would say. I mean, uh, I never raced in uh, that high-rated uh, races, so <laughs> I don't have um, a lot of experience there, but uh, I would give even more knowing that uh, then you will be the official world champion, world champion of Formula E. I was thinking about, you know, when we were talking about sim racing and FIA championships and stuff, can you imagine like the circus that would be created if something like what is happening in the GT World Challenge actually happened in Formula One? Like having <laughs> nah. racing actually affect Formula One classifications? Nah, nah. You can see like Lewis Hamilton, Bono, my will is gone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, my that, that's not going to happen. My connection has died down. What do I do? <laughs> Like imagine, yeah. imagine the 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 FIA, the Formula One stewards, like dealing with connection lags and stuff like that. Nah, crazy. Nah. No, not not gonna happen. Not but gonna that happen. would be like a very fun alternative universe. No, but I, I mean, could have fun in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I, finally, probably we would get like a, a George Russell World Champion <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that because if Lewis hangs out around <laughs> a bit more, like that's not gonna happen. So let's give George a chance. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good there. I saw all the Formula One virtual races and he's winning everything. So. Did you actually yeah, cool. see them? Because I, I didn't pay no, I, attention. I to saw them. I saw the results on Instagram. That's what I saw. <laughs> Okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, so I, I actually kind of watched like 10 minutes of, of a race. It was kind of fun, but I had way more fun like watching Lando Norris's streams like yeah. from his point of view because the guy is just, is just so fun. Yeah, the guy's and, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, but... Also, the, for the Formula One game is more a game than uh, a racing or a set of course that you can see during the races and... Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's not 110% realistic, like, yeah, for sure. Even what we are using is still not ideal because it's impossible, I think, to recreate what we have on the reality. But Formula One, I think, is more, uh, more a game. I think it was created for that. And then it came out, all this uh, virtual championship stuff. So this is, yeah, even when you watch the races, you can see it more different from a real race. Yeah, I mean, I am good at the Formula One game, so clearly it's not realistic. <laughs> like, that's enough to tell you that it's not realistic. Yeah, no, I, did, actually... I did three laps once and then I cancelled the game from my PC and it was, <laughs> it was enough. 
<laughs> yeah. that makes it yeah it definitely feels like more of a game than than anything else too. yeah, yeah i mean like i said to corsa i've never played like i know that i racing is supposed to be the the most like advanced simulation around uh Assetto Corsa I've never played but I the graphics are stunning like to be honest there are some places in which you you generally can't tell if it's an actual race or you're just watching like Assetto Corsa being streamed so I think yeah that for example would be good like if the GT World Challenge decides to to televise to broadcast these races like the, the that would be interesting yeah i think i think they will do i mean makes sense would be interesting also for for all the people at home i think uh, at the end it's it's a race for the championship so it's like the other on the on the real life yeah also yeah. like i don't expect the the public to be in attendance anyway in 2021 at least as far as i know like that that's gonna be that's gonna be kind of difficult but i was actually yeah, thinking... speed is a pit yeah yeah, see yeah. all the all the race. I've been on the podium in Spa luckily last year, and I think it was the first time without public, and I was pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but at least you didn't get like the 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 little robots getting you the <laughs> the, the trophy like in Formula oh, yeah, One. Like, no. <laughs> that that was depressing. That was yeah. kind of depressing. No, it also we just had to take our trophies by ourselves. And yeah, feel better than the robots. <laughs> yeah, like with the drivers, like catching them on the go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was genuinely ridiculous. Let, that looked like, a, I don't know, a sushi place. You know, when you get teppanyaki and it goes all the, all the way on the, on the rolling thingy. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get like my first place trophy for, the, for, for a Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, no, absolutely insane. But I was actually thinking about the, the audience, like the public that may be interested in uh in sim racing and i was considering that apparently because i've only seen the tweets of course but there was um a virtual grand prix being held during the 24 hours of daytona and apparently like a lot of people actually watched a virtual grand prix instead of the 24 hours of daytona and i'm like i'm sorry what <laughs> like how can you prefer a virtual Grand Prix with people who honestly aren't even professionals, like sim racing professionals, to an actual race is is a mystery to me. Was it a Formula One race? Formula yeah, One. Yeah, it was Formula uh, One. Yeah, maybe also because some people knows only Formula One. That's a bit yeah, uh, a, a bad part of our sport because there are uh, many many cool categories that are not Formula One. And still, uh, yeah, for sure, Formula One is always Formula One. Everyone knows it, and uh, and so on, like it should be. But yeah, there are also some other races that uh, sometimes are really more interesting to race, even it's uh, if it's a twenty-four hours race. So it's easy. It's easier to know Formula One races and everything correlated to Formula One. So that maybe can explain a bit what happened. But for me, I mean, I, I would choose 110% always uh, Daytona 24 race and uh, sim race or something like that. Actually, I looked Daytona for like 20 hours, was, was quite <laughs> a pretty hard weekend here from home. My God, also because, yeah, from like a spectator point of view, 
there are so many categories which are more fun and you know more full of events than formula one lately like i understand why people love formula one because i'm one of them so i get that but But everyone loves loves formula one i mean yeah it's, it's formula one so yeah but like when a 24 hour race is actually more eventful and in like a shorter span of time more eventful than an a two-hour Formula One race, you start to think, what's going on? Why is it like that? Yeah, there's also yeah, like so. a serious issue in Formula One if a 24-hour race is actually more eventful than that. No, but I yeah, think sometimes that... even too much. I remember in Spa with seven cars on the same lap, so with 15 yeah. minutes ago behind the safety car, that was pretty stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you actually got second place in this year's Spa, right, Mattia? Yeah, second place by four seconds. Not bad, yeah. eh? like imagine that after 24 hours second place is four seconds yeah. behind like in formula one second place if you're behind a mercedes is like one <laughs> later it's crazy yeah like five cars on the lead lap on a good day yeah <laughs> it's not that extreme but yeah it makes sense no like for example martin do you remember like this year's uh 24 hours of norberg yeah i was just thinking about that yeah yeah matthew you actually raced um that event but i don't remember your finishing position uh sixth okay yeah i mean not an easy race Uh, no, that was like an awful race. I remember like yeah. we were Crazy. together, me and Martina were actually cover, uh, covering the GT Open race together. So we were just uh, watching the race in the evening when we got back from the Autodromo. And, uh, and we were like, why isn't there a red flag? Why isn't yeah. there a red flag? Yeah, I remember that like you were, because the listeners are not seeing this, this uh, call, but yeah, we're just talking to each other basically. And we were actually sitting on this coach where I'm sitting right yeah. now, <laughs> this podcast. And I remember at one point it was like midnight and you were taking a shower uh, like here. And I was watching the race and I was like, no, what's going on? Because I could actually not see anything because the, you know, visibility was gone. Like, From no, a lot of it was a right call. It was really dangerous. I mean, yeah. I told with all the drivers driving at the moment, and yeah. they all say that was the right call. So, you know, it's not a, an easy track on dry condition. Imagine on full wet with a, with that kind of rain. Uh, that was really crazy. I mean. Ah, yeah. that, that was insane like i remember jumping out of the shower when i heard yeah. you screaming i literally I jumped out. screaming from the yeah. bathroom yeah. yeah absolutely also because i was on um on uh, report duties right yeah i was yeah, on report we duties reporting. so yeah. i'm like i'm getting five minutes to get a shower and then something happens but yeah no it was an insane race and i, and I was generally worried for for the people i knew at the race because i was like then we, we need we need a red flag there but like if you imagine the the day after when the race actually restarted like i remember i think there was um i don't know winkelock on second place i don't remember uh, but anyway yeah, like yeah i think, yeah, I think it was winkelock. we were uh, at the moment one two three audi with all the three factory cars Yeah. Right before and after the red flag. Like, yeah, and then like yeah. he he was on the lead lap, and what was it like a six second margin to to the first place car, Marty? Do you remember like yeah. the final ten minutes of the race? They were yeah. insane. We were actually in Monza, and we were like, 
we were like, what do we watch? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, but I mean, I think that people get really scared at the concept of watching a 24-hour race because they're like, oh my God, do you you actually manage to watch a 24-hour race? They don't understand that there is, it is a completely different kind of focus. Like if if it was seriously just 24 hours, 100% focus, at least from our perspective, of course, like, of course, we wouldn't even cover it. Like there's a reason why we managed to cover 24 hours is because, I mean, just like the drivers from a certain perspective, I mean, we take turns, we try to, to, you know, focus and then stop and then focus and then stop. But yeah, no, it would it would be interesting to actually like race a twenty four hour race. Do you prefer sprint races or endurance races, Mattia? Oh, I prefer all the way endurance races. I mean, uh, sprint is also really nice because you have to fight quite a lot because the race is only forty five or an hour race, so it's, it's uh, more physical, I would say, uh, regarding the fights on track. On the, on the endurance races, I really like all the strategic part you have behind the, the race. So a lot of people studying the strategy, the, the strategies, looking at the weather because it's also an important uh, key. It's a key factor as well. I remember in Spa, well, that's uh, in the morning, I think, or around lunchtime, it started to rain. And uh, we went on uh, rain ties uh, really, really early when the track was still dry. But our uh, weather guy was really on point. So we tried that way. And it started to rain uh, like 10 minutes later and we gained like one minute. Then for sure with the safety cars, you cannot keep one minute uh, uh, leading uh, gap. But anyway, that was a really important move. And, uh, you know, endurance races is not only driving and fighting on tracks, but uh, there are many, many factors. And that's what I like from endurance races. So, you know, it's, uh, it's never finished until it's finished. Uh, so also for the driver, it's cool. I mean, you do your stints, then you can uh, rest, you go to sleep. It changes drivers to drivers. Honestly, I don't sleep a lot. I mean, I really like to, to follow the race because you are racing. I mean, you know, you, there is your car there and... Uh, <laughs> I don't like to sleep without knowing what happens. But uh, no, I really prefer 100% endurance races. Yeah, it's a pity that they are objectively like more complicated to, to explain to the general public. Like there are so many factors. And in general, to be honest, like it's very difficult for people to understand like how customer racing works in general. I have no idea why, but... I find myself really struggling with this because usually like when you meet somebody new or in general, like especially like members of our families that are not, of course, like into motorsport. I mean, your family is an exception, like the regular person (laughs) is usually like one person in really into motorsport. Um, And yeah, like it's very easy for me to explain how a Formula One race works. Of course, like I'm not going into, I don't know, the the technicalities of a power unit, but explaining everything that goes around like customer racing, endurance racing, especially like multi-class racing is a pain, is an absolute pain. Like 
on the Daytona weekend, I was actually home with my with my parents. I didn't plan on it. I hoped to just be free to work uh, alone, but that wasn't the case. So my father was constantly interrupting me and he was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I was trying to explain to him how multi-class racing works. And he was like, but why is the Corvette so different from that other car, which was, of course, like a prototype that was there that you need to sit down and listen for like 20 minutes and try to focus because it's not as easy as it looks. But yeah, I mean, I, I seriously hope that people get more into this, especially with like the, the new regulations, as you were saying before also, Mattia, um, the LMDH uh, regulations are a very cool concept, in my opinion. They're basically going to kill off the hypercar regulations because before the, the hypercar even gains traction, in my opinion. But it's a, it's a cool concept. Oh, yeah, I think it's really interesting for the constructors and uh, hypercars. I, I have to say that it's... I like the cars, I like the, the idea, but for sure if they killed the LMP1, it's also because of the budget they needed and hypercar, uh, from my point of view, at the end is the same concept because you, the car is different for sure, but still you need to build the car from zero and that's really expensive. I mean, the, the LMDH, it's a cool concept because uh, some parts are in common for everyone. So that part you can like save a bit of money and uh, you can still have your own car because you can build everything else. So it's not like the same car for everyone like you have uh, in LMP2 at the moment. So you can work on, on the car, you can uh, develop the car. And uh, at the end, it's, it's, it's a customer program, but at the end i think it's gonna be again a bit factory program like we had in the past and uh, as we said before that's the really cool thing is that we can that the the car can race in many championship i would say now because uh wc for sure uh, imsa and then you can fight for the for the big endurance races like le mans daytona that now it's not possible with the same car regarding uh, prototypes and not gt and then again, uh, Sebring, and uh, I think they will race as well in Asian Le Mans Series, European, I don't know, European Le Mans Series, honestly. But anyway, no, I, yeah. For now, I don't think I don't so, think but no. yeah, I mean, the, the point still stands. Yeah, you have Europe, America, uh, Asia, so you can cover all the markets you have around the world. And uh, you can be a factory team or a customer team like we have in GD3, so that's also a really cool uh, concept. And it's not going to be really expensive. The problem for the hypercar, I think, is that with the BOP or however it's going to be called, because they always change the name for these kinds of cars. But anyway, the problem with the hypercar, I think that with the BOP, the, the hypercar have to fight with the LMDH. I mean, uh, having the same speed. And I don't see the points now to build, uh, to spend, uh, I don't know, how many times more than a LMDH to fight for the for the same thing? So that's the really cool idea about the, the LMDH, and uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna increase more and more the interest in, in into this category, to this new category. I hope at least. I mean. <laughs> 
Yeah. I think it will, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, as far as I know, the, the first, you know, kind of budgeting calculations around this are apparently that hypercars, like all everything included, research and development, the actual platform you need and whatever, are going to be around 10 times as expensive as LMDH, which is actually insane because you're still competing for overall victory. So you have an option to compete for the same result, but at a tenth of the cost. Like, what do you think that the big manufacturers are going to choose? Apart from maybe some manufacturers that might value the idea of having their own chassis. Uh, like, I don't know, it, not even Toyota bothered that much, to be honest, because when they unveiled the, the hypercar, yeah, it's kind of a repackaged LMP1. I mean, yeah. you, you shouldn't change what works, of course, but yeah, it doesn't look like they put that much effort into it. Like I can imagine some manufacturers not saying that they should compete in hypercar, but somebody like Ferrari, I think for someone like Ferrari, does it doesn't make any sense to have somebody else make, make your chassis and then race with an LMDH. So if they ever decide to compete with a prototype, I think they would prefer uh, like a formula like the hypercar. But I mean, how many manufacturers like Ferrari are around? Not that there many. are not many, no. It's, it's just a philosophy. So someone can think that uh, he has to build everything and someone can also race with uh, some other parts that uh, he has both. So it's, it's a different philosophy, but at the end, I think LMDH is, is the, the right one at the moment for the future. And I think it's going to be quite long, I hope, I mean, the life of this category. I can see it uh, in the future. Yeah, definitely. And now we'll have to explain to our dads, respectively, <laughs> what <laughs> is LMDH. Yeah, it's it's always very funny. I can already like see myself uh, exp trying to explain to my father how are these cars that will be hopefully massively different actually competing in the same class like if multi-class racing was already difficult enough for my father to follow like can you can you imagine like having two completely different cars fighting for the same category yeah he's not he's not gonna sustain that already yeah. i don't <laughs> i don't see that happening uh, so yeah, anyway, we're actually pretty past our usual runtime, so uh, I think we can actually wrap it up right now. Uh, Mattia, thank you very much for joining us today. It was a, it was a very nice and fun chat. Yeah, thank you, thank you, you to give me the, the chance to participate to this chat. I think it was pretty cool. I mean, we touched quite a lot of uh, interesting points, so yeah, it was, it was a cool one. Yeah, it's always nice talking racing. So we we, we kind of get lost in it. We we always go past the runtime, Martina. Like think yeah. about it. Yeah, it's just like a technicality, but yeah. We <laughs> like, really care. Why, a lot why about do we it. even choose a runtime if we're always going to go over it? But anyway, uh, thank you much. Uh, thank you very much to our listeners to to for joining again this month. And as usual, we will be out on the twenty seventh of March for our next podcast with another special guest. Uh, and again, thank you all for tuning in and thanks to Mattia for uh, joining us today.